So if you want to grow and get better in certain things or you want to aspire to things, you got to find people that have patterns of success in that and spend more time with them. And so how this relates here is that I have conversations all the time with people who have, you know, struggling relationships and they have conflict here and they have poor communication there. And they're like, how do I make this work? And one of the questions I want to ask them is give me a circle of the importance of your relationships. We have on the outer circle, all these people we interact with, we know, we know them by name. They may know us by name or not. I don't know. It's a big number. And then as the circles shrink down to bullseye, there's more understanding and more, more value in those relationships. Welcome to ThinkWise, where we help driven young professionals find clarity and take action so you can create a career in life you love. My name is Christian Fagerlin, and I love diving into the secrets behind high performers. And I'm Richard, Christian's dad. I've been running a leadership consulting firm, Peak Solutions, for the last 20 years, where we help organizations develop wise leaders, build strong teams, and healthy cultures. Together, my dad and I are going to bring you conversations and stories from high performers who have taken action in their life while learning from their failures and their successes. We're excited you're here and hope that this is a space for you to learn how you can take your ideas you have for the future and turn them into productive action. Let's dive in. Welcome back to part four, I believe, of our TrustWise series on the ThinkWise podcast. Um, So today we're going to talk a lot about conflict and specifically communication. And when you're trying to show yourself as a trustworthy person and conflict comes up, how you can avoid that and when it's necessary sometimes and how to communicate effectively. So the first point, Dad, that I want to talk about is the idea of flaws that we don't realize we have. Um, in your book, you talk about the example of you, you know, coming to this conclusion through assessments that you had this flaw of feeling like you need to have the last word. And so talk a little bit about that and how there's we all have things that, you know, we assume we're we're uh, have the best intentions. But, you know, there's conflict coming out of that. Yeah. Well, we all, we all have flaws that we don't know. That's, that's kind of what a flaw is, is something that, that we're not paying attention to. It's the flaws that we know that we don't do anything about that become the problems. So this one, in, for me in particular, was based on a 360 evaluation. So I had my team gave me feedback. My superiors gave me feedback. Uh, my peers gave me feedback. And one of the things that was consistent was this idea that that it was almost like I had to have the final word. That's, that's not what they said, but that's how I heard it. It's like I had to have the final word. And one of the things I realized was, one, I had been a team member of, of my team and then got promoted to being a leader of that team. And so when I was a team member, I got to contribute all my ideas and all my thoughts and brainstorm. And then when I became the leader of that team, like immediately all of my words have like a coefficient on them. You know, they're just a little bit louder than everyone else's words just because I'm the leader. And my team felt like when they would brainstorm or come to an idea and I would share that, that I was, you know, having to have the last word or I wanted to say, you know, my piece. And that was so hard for me because my intention on my end was to just make it better. It was my intention to contribute. And so I never intended to have the last word. So uh, in the book, we talk about the, 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 the acronym STAN. And those are the types of people that you're at a party, 
uh, you're in a you're in a conversation with them, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I went on vacation this week, and I went to the Marriott in San Diego." And they're like, "Did you really? Oh my gosh, I went to the Four Seasons in Maui." You know, it's like they're always one upping you, right? And uh, you're like, "Oh, I got this new car. It's a 2012 Camry." They're like, "Oh my gosh, you did! I have a 2022 Bugatti." You know, it's like they're just always one upping you. So stand stands for shoot. That ain't nothing. And when people around you have this shoot, that ain't nothing kind of mindset, that's terrible. You don't want that. And so, you know, all of a sudden I realized that I'm a stand to my team and it's a really important thing. Now that was 26, seven years ago. And I would love to say that right after I got that feedback, that never went away. But the problem is, is that I still struggle with that. As a matter of fact, Christian, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if, if, if you remember this over the last few years, but, but I have noticed there's been times when you come with an idea or a suggestion or some, you know, some business idea that you have. And instead of just being like, wow, that's really cool. I was like, oh yeah. And you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And I can sense as I share, as I add on to what you're saying that even for you, there's some frustration in that. And uh, I just want to, I just want to turn that around and one, acknowledge that that hasn't gone away from me, but two, have you like, have you even experienced that from me from time to time? Yeah, sometimes. And I think, I mean, I think the the whole idea of this whole concept of not being a stand or flaws that we don't realize we have is that, you know, your intentions are always good in that it's not like you're trying to cause any conflict or any frustration with the other person. And so I think that's, what's really interesting about this whole concept is that we we assume the best out of our own intentions and Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about in the forgiveness episode assuming the best in other people's intentions and so i wonder if you know it's almost the opposite for ourselves not that we need to be insecure and like worried about what everyone's thinking about what we do um, but we do need to be a little more aware that we naturally do assume the best in our own intentions we assume that we're you know, rarely are we really out to genuinely try and hurt someone that we actually care about. And so I guess I would ask you, yeah, does that, does that mean that we have to assume the worst in our intentions or how do you, how do you balance that? Yeah, it's hard because you can't think you're awesome and not awesome at the same time. You can't assume the very best about yourself and then assume the very worst about yourself and not live in a cycle of insecurity or fear or frustration I think more important than like assuming the the worst in yourself is two things. Number one, don't, don't believe your own fan mail in the areas where you think that you're awesome, express some humility and always have questions about that. Are you really that awesome in that area? Not that you're bad about that, but are you really that awesome? So number one, don't read your fan mail. Number two, always wonder what it looks like on the other side of you. You know, what, how are people experiencing you? How are, how are people um, interacting with you? What, what does it look like? And so I think that the humble posture isn't, I'm a, I'm, I'm terrible and I'm a moron. And it's not the arrogant posture that I'm amazing and I'm awesome. It is, I know what I know about myself, what I believe about myself and to have some curiosity of what do other people think as well. And so practically speaking, maybe that's, um, maybe that's a quick caveat before you share something. Hey, I'm going to share something. It's not like th- that I have all the answers, but I have a thought and then you share it. 
you know, just, just that bit of humility of like, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I want to share to this, or that's a great idea. It's amazing. I don't know that I can improve upon it. I just wonder if this question is something that we should also consider. And, you know, you're not, I'm not talking about long caveats. I'm talking about really short caveats where you're letting people know your intentions because we have these understandings about ourselves that we may not share with others. So somehow letting others know that how we see ourselves as we're communicating that I think could be helpful. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think even with doing that, we're still going to run into conflict sometimes, right? No matter how intentional we are with making sure that we don't come across in a negative way. So, and sometimes that conflict's really necessary. So can you talk about the importance of conflict and the difference between healthy and unhealthy conflict? Yeah, I think conflict's critical. I have a, I have a saying, maybe I've shared it before that conflict is the doorway to intimacy. If, if everyone right now would think about someone that they are the closest to, that they have the, 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 the most deepest relationship with, the most intimacy with, and then I'm also going to ask you about that person. Have you ever been in conflict with them? You know, have you yeah. experienced conflict? And, and a hundred percent of the time, the people that we're the closest to and have the most intimacy with, we also have had conflict and it's likely that that conflict has helped to grow that intimacy. And so conflict is important. Conflict's not a bad thing. Conflict, I like to define conflict as an opportunity to clarify, you know, oh, you see something one way, I see something the, another way, and let's challenge one another. Let's pull on one another. It's like, you know, it's like you hit the weight room this morning and you're lifting. And only if you put, it, put pressure against yourself, only if you have enough tension on your muscles with the weights that there's, there's enough pressure to help kind of tear and break down those muscles so that they can grow and expand and strengthen. Do you actually get there? You don't get there by talking about it and looking at them. You have to go do the hard work and have that tension and that, and that pain associated to accomplish greater strength and more muscle. Same thing in our relationships. We need to do that. The problem is most people don't wake up and, and, and they have two buttons. They can push. I want to have conflict today or I want to not have conflict today. Nobody's going to go, I want to have conflict. They're going to hit the, I don't want to have conflict button. That's just our nature. We don't love it. And the problem is, is it's not conflict that's bad. It's unhealthy conflict. So you asked, what's the difference between the two? Healthy conflict is an opportunity to clarify. We have a difference of opinion. We just see things on different parallels. Unhealthy conflict is you and I disagree about something but I feel like in order for us to get through this, I have to win. I have to win the conflict versus clarify the conflict. And not only do I have to win, but in order for me to win, you have to lose. This is why when we talk about important things in life, like politics, religion, you know, those, 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 you know, tenuous topics that we want those to be off limits. Well, they're not off limits because we shouldn't talk about them. They're off limits because I don't really care what you have to say from your perspective and I have to win and you have to lose. So that creates an unhealthy conversation and thus unhealthy conflict. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I like the uh, analogy of weightlifting and how it's necessary, you know, to grow. So one thing we're realizing through this is that a lot of times conflict comes from a disconnect in communication 
is basically what it can be boiled down to. You feel like you're communicating one thing, but you're communicating something else. So in the idea of showing your trustworthiness, we refer back to the trust model, compassion, integrity, competence. Um, so for example, if there's a relationship or a situation that I'm in, say it's with my team, my cross country team at school, and there's one of my teammates who, you know, expresses to me that I'm not showing as much compassion. And that, that's where our conflict is coming from. And so I'm starting to be more intentional about showing that compassion and taking more steps in that way. So I decide to every day, you know, ask them how some sort of question about how they're doing in their personal life. And I feel like that's me showing compassion, but I'm not feeling that reciprocated back. And I feel like they're still frustrated with me. Um, how do you know whether to keep taking that step towards them? Because ultimately it is our responsibility to continue to go towards them, even if they're not coming towards us or how do we, you know, realize maybe there's some sort of communication disconnect. And even though we feel like we're taking a step, they're not perceiving it that way. Yeah. Such a great question. There's, there's two parts to the answer. The first part's harder than the second part. So I'll start with that. The reason why you're feeling the frustration is because you have expectations and your expectations is if I take all these steps then it's going to work and you're going to, you know, we're going to remove this tension. And I think what you need to do is, is really manage those expectations. It's not unreasonable to think that if you do all these good benevolent things that you're going to get something in return. What is unreasonable is to expect when I do these things, I'm going to get something in return. So like hoping that that happens is not terrible, but expecting that it happens might be. So the, the, the answer to that question of how far to go, I don't know that. Uh, we share, I shared this the, when we were talking about the trust model, and I'll just share it again, is I don't know how many steps you should take towards that teammate, but I know that it's a couple more steps than you feel comfortable. You know, you might feel like, gosh, I've done all this. I've done this. It's not going anywhere. You know, I'm done. And I would say, wait a minute, probably take another couple steps and then evaluate that. And then when you get there, take a couple more steps. So that's the, that's the hard part is that maybe your expectations are the problem, not the other person. Um, the second part to that story is, are you having some conversations with the person about this tension? You know, are you just doing this, hoping that it, gets better or you go into them and saying, Hey, Christian, I still, I sense that there's some, some tension between us and maybe it's just my perspective perception, but are you open to talking with me about it and just then have a conversation with them about it? And they might say, no, no, I don't have any tension and say, well, that's, you know, okay. I appreciate that. Cause you know, yesterday when this happened, this is how I, how I experienced that. And, and it, and it, our relationship is so important to me and to our team. I just want to make sure that we're good and, you know, go to them and have those conversations. This is the candor, but doing it in a caring way and not so much so that, Hey, why aren't you coming towards me? It's just, I'm trying to find out where you're coming from because maybe the problem is, is that they, yeah, they don't see you as compassionate, but now that you're doing these efforts, maybe they're not seeing you as genuine in them. And maybe they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Now he's asking me these questions about myself. Hasn't done that for five years. Why all of a sudden now? And so, you know, having that conversation about the tension sometimes is the very thing that breaks up the tension instead of all these roundabout ways trying to make everything work well. 
Yeah. So, I mean, basically you're saying take a couple extra steps than what feels comfortable. You know, if you get to the point where you're like, I feel like this isn't working, probably take a couple more steps. And then if it's still not feeling reciprocated, you got to sit down and have a conversation about it. Yeah. And back to your very first question about not understanding how you're perceived. I would assume when you have struggles in your relationships that you have significant responsibility in that struggle because there's only one common denominator in all of your struggling relationships. And it's not that the other person's a moron. The one common denominator is you. You are the common denominator in all of your struggling relationships. So if you assume that it's always others not doing something to make that better, you're never, ever going to improve those. Uh, we have all kinds of people around us. Every one of us knows those people who it's not their fault. It's all they, them, and those guys fall all the time. And they're not willing to take any ownership and evaluate and say that they're playing a part in the struggle. And those people are really, they're really hard to extend grace to. And they're really hard to live in, you know, live in any kind of unity with. So the people that are willing to interrogate themselves and to say, I'm playing a role in this. And I, it's my job to figure out what my role in this is. And, and really, really take ownership and accountability of their role in that. They're the ones that they're the ones that are that you know, ultimately have have, uh, you know, you have a good investment in your relationship with them. Yeah. So I've heard you say how important your friends are. And, you know, everyone knows the saying that show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So can you talk about how that idea plays into what we're talking about right now? Well, I think that the, those four, five, six people that you spend the majority of your time with are the, are the definition of your future. And this doesn't mean that you can't have friends that, 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 you know, don't want to work as hard as you or that don't do, you know, don't have the same interests as you or don't have the, you know, same uh, integrity even as you. You can still have those friends. It's just like, what's that core? Where are you spending your time? And people are either building you up or they're tearing you down. You're, and, you're, and, and whenever you're around your friends and your people, you're becoming more like them. So, so I think in this process, one, one thing to evaluate is you're, you're going you're gonna to look, act, smell, think, all of those things like the people that you're spending the majority of time with. So if you want to grow and get better in certain things or you want to aspire to things, you got to find people that have patterns of success in that and spend more time with them. And so how this relates here is that I have conversations all the time with people who have, you know, struggling relationships and they have conflict here and they have poor communication there. And they're like, how do I make this work? And one of the questions I want to ask them is give me a circle of the importance of your relationships. We have on the outer circle, all these people we interact with, we know, we know them by name. They may know us by name or not. I don't know. It's a big number. And then as the circles shrink down to bullseye, there's more understanding and more, more value in those relationships. So, you know, your example, here's, here's an example, your teammate, you know, that's a person that maybe right now feels like super important because you're spending lots of time with, you're in constant interaction, you're on the same team, but really ultimately in the big scheme of things, are you going to 20 years later, are, are you going to still be friends with this person? If the answer is yes, you're going to approach it differently. If the answer is, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, you're going to approach that differently and you're going to put it into perspective. And so you're going to put extra energy and effort into that tight, tight circle that are helping shape you and you're helping shape. 
And then your perspective is going to change as you go out of your relationship rings. And it's not that you don't care more about them. It's that you're going to approach them differently. So if I have a relationship with someone I know I'm, I want to have in relationship for the rest of my life, I'm going to invest in a significantly different way than someone who I'm working on a project with and it's important and it might be a couple of years, it might be a couple of months. And it's not like I'm throwing them away or I'm setting to the side or I'm even saying that they're less valuable. I'm just saying my investment in trying to make that work is different and, and my perspective in how important it is that we get every last little thing worked out is also going to be different. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I've never, I've never thought about it that way, I guess. Um, so, I mean, to close out, to close out this whole idea, basically you would say that your job is not done until the message that you're trying to send, send is fully received. And when talking about trust in particular, that message that we're trying to send is somewhere under the umbrella of integrity, competence, or compassion. So are yeah. there any, you know, closing thoughts you have on making sure that that message that you're sending is fully received by the the other person because the job's not done until that happens. Yeah. That message sent equals message received is my definition of communication. And, and I think if you want to be a trustworthy person and you want to have effective communication, it's your responsibility. Communication is the responsibility of the sender and trust is the responsibility of the giver. And, and in this scenario that we're talking about, you're, you're both of those people, you're the sender and you're the giver. And so you need to take ownership to make sure that the things that are important to you, the intentions that you have, the things you want to communicate are actually received by people. So practically speaking, a couple of ways to do that. One, ask receipt of confirmation. Hey, Christian, I want you to know that I care about you and that I'm um, that, that I real it's really important to me that that you are um, that you understand how, how much I value you. Do you understand that? I just ask that question. Right. Um, I probably am not going to ask the same question. Hey, do you understand what kind of integrity I have? But I might find out based on uh, based on on our experiences. Um, hey, give me some feedback in how you experienced me on on, the, on this last time. Or um, I'd love for you to give me an example of a couple of things that I could do better. Uh, we use the we often use stop, start, continue. Um, you know, is there something that you think that I'm that I'm not doing right now that I should start doing? Is there something I do today that maybe I should stop doing that would help help you? And then what do I do that you think is is really good and you hope that I continue doing? And so you're constantly going out into your relationships, into your communication and making sure that they're sent. You send me a text, you send me an email. Just because there's a read receipt doesn't mean that I understood it. And so if you send me something important, then one of the ways that you find out is if you ask me to do something and I do it, that no, then you know the message sent was equal message received. If you have a feeling or a notion or, a, or an experience that you want me to, to receive and I, I share with you that I experienced that emotion and that experience well, then you know that it was received. But you've just got to be on the, the, the responsible end of making sure that the message that you're sending, the trust that you're sending, the care that you're sending is actually being received by the other person. Yeah, that's good. It just ties back into that idea of, you know, a trustful relationship, both sides of the coin being our responsibility. And if you've been listening to this trust series, you know, hopefully by now you realize the importance in trust and, you know, how how we get there through giving it. And hopefully this episode talks on a lot of the, you know, 
tangible problems you might run into, whether it's conflict with someone that you care about or just a disconnect in communication. So uh, if you haven't listened to the other three episodes of the trust series, I encourage you to check them out. They'll all tie in together and that's yeah, been great stuff so far. So thanks, Dad. Thanks for joining us on the Think Wise podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that this helps you take your life and career to the next level.